the number one thing that is the hardest thing to do is being self-aware. And I feel like when you are self-aware and you take responsibility for everything in your life, then it's actually really powerful. Like you just step up your power so much more. Dear Balancer, I know you're a determined person on the lookout for ways to live a more fulfilling and balanced life, but you're busy. And if we're being honest, that busyness often comes at the expense of your priorities. The Balance Theory podcast is made to teach busy bees just like you how to find and own your own definition of balance so that you can become unapologetic in how you choose to spend your time. I'm your host, Erica, and together, let's find your unique balance. Alrighty, Balancers, today I'm joined by fashion model and social media influencer all the way from Byron Bay, the lovely Pala Nagara. She's also a mum of two and has just come full circle in her life's journey. I'm really excited to chat and get to know her today. So Pala, a warm welcome to the Balance Theory podcast. Thank you, Erica. It's so lovely to be here with you. Thank you. Likewise. Uh, talk to me about Byron. How is it living there? I mean, I've been a handful of times um, revisiting October and I can't wait to go back. And it's always been a place I've thought, wow, like your my soul feels like it would really thrive there. Like I would just love it. So tell me what it's like living there. Yeah, I never would have imagined myself living in Byron Bay. Um, we're from Melbourne originally. And when we're in Melbourne, I always love coming back to the city. I love coming to Byron, but it was always a holiday place for me. And then I'd love coming home. Um, but in the Melbourne lockdown, it was really made evident that I don't want to be anywhere near the cities. And we had a house in Byron Bay. So we came to Byron and it is it is a healing place. I think what everyone says is true about Byron Bay. It is. It is a healing place. Um, not always like rainbows and sunshine. Everyone is faced with everything they need to be faced with. Um, they say that there's black obsidian crystals under the ground in Byron, like under the earth's core. And so that is what brings people into facing their shadows and really beginning their healing journey. So a lot of people, they come to Byron and then they get thrown out. So they, you know, suddenly it's too much for them, they leave. And some people stay and they say that if you're here, you're meant to be here. So That's here we beautiful. are. <laughs> That's awesome. And I, I could definitely resonate with that. Like when you're there, you almost feel like a sense of groundedness. It's, it's just like this sense of calm that comes over you. So that's no surprise to me that, you know, something like that would exist Um but that's also beautiful. And I would love for you to share just a little bit so the listeners get a feel for who you are. Just a little bit about, um, I guess, who you are and what you do. Yeah, so I'm a fashion model and social media influencer. I used to call myself a curve model, but that was when the curve and plus size models weren't widely accepted. But now I just call myself a model um, because I feel like, you know, I represent myself, like who I am represents myself, not by my size. Um, I now get contacted by brands to, you know, just be anything really, just me. So yeah, I'm a model and I'm a mum of two. Um, Tiger Lily is my daughter. She's four and Taj Ocean is two and a half and he's my son. And yeah, we live here in Byron Bay and I've just concluded the journey of a lifetime. I've come full circle. I'm happy to say that now. Yeah, that's beautiful. Um, and love the, the kid names, by the way. They're, they're stunning. Did um, Were you – talk to me about the journey of, I guess, you being a model. Was that something you did straight from school? Was it something you always knew you wanted to do or did you fall into it? Can you talk us through that process? Because I can 
obviously imagine and appreciate that the modeling landscape has changed a lot over especially let's say the last 10 years like especially as you just said used to identify as maybe like a curve model whereas now like that definition is not really a thing and I, I think it's quite nice to see agencies and brands just embracing women and people just for who they are not what they look like um, but talk to me a little bit about your process of getting involved in modeling in the first instance. Yeah so for me um, when I was really young, um, my dad tried to, he really wanted me to sign with an agency that he was friends with the, the, the director and I just had the worst self-confidence and the lowest self-esteem growing up. So that just petrified me. And even though I grew up with everyone saying, you should be a model, you should be a model, you need to be a model. I just was like, that was the last thing I ever wanted to be. And then funnily enough, when I was in my very early 20s, I had a boyfriend um, called Will from England and he was a beautiful partner and he said, he saw the cover of this magazine and it was Robin Lawley, who's now with the agency that I've signed with, uh, been with for five years, funnily enough, and he said, that's you, like that could be your, that's your body, like you could be a model. And I said, no, I don't, you know, I, I don't think so. And then I was in a bar and a beautiful um woman came up to me and she happened to be the, the lead model trainer um, for an agency that I was signed with first. And she said, this agency is looking for their first ever curve model. Um, would you be interested? And I was like, well, uh, I just couldn't really say anything. And she just All took a photo of me. She sent it over and over. <laughs> right. So she sent a photo and then they signed me and I was with that agency for um, maybe two years. And then a, a, and it was great you know it was really interesting I was actually a lot smaller then so um, it, you know the, the whole plus size industry was you know you either had to be like a really plus size or um, you know there wasn't really like uh, you know I was a size 10 to 12 and yeah I just wasn't um, it still wasn't widely accepted so I, I lost a lot of confidence then, but then a makeup artist took a photo of me and she said, you need to be signed with Bella Management. And anyway, she sent my photo to um, Chelsea and she said, yes, I'll sign you straight away. And that's kind of when my career took off and and really launched itself. And I found myself with other curve models and plus size models and straight size models and really gave me that confidence to, you know, really feel accepted in my body. Mm. Yeah, no, that's awesome. And I know recently you walked on the first ever curve runway in Australia Fashion Week. Can you talk to me a little bit about um, that as a, I suppose a milestone potentially in your life and as a really significant step towards diversity in the industry? Because like I'm sure uh, just, you know, based off what you've just told me as signing with Bella and, and being able to work with models of all different sizes and physiques and looks, it is a shifting industry. I mean, I'm sure it's still got quite a long way to go. The fact that it potentially is still called like a curve runway maybe means it's still got some leg room to to run its course. But just talk to me about that feeling. What was that like for you for the, you know, milestone in your career? Yeah, walking on Australia's first ever curve runway at Australian Fashion Week was a dream for me. It was actually what I've always dreamed of and what I've always had I've held this vision and manifestation and it, it came to life and and I remember when um, my agent messaged me and said that this is what I'm doing I just couldn't believe it it was like wow okay um, and it was a really great sign to see 
you know, the movement and what and, and how we're making a change. But my agent, Chelsea Bonner, really, she pushed this. So she basically said to IMG, um, you know, this is what we want to do. And they said yes. And so it was great for her to showcase a lot of the brands and the plus size brands. But it was also really great to see at Australian Fashion Week, overall, the diversity was just astonishing. Like a lot of the runways had plus size models, curve models, uh, you know, like gender diversity. There was hairy males. <laughs> like it was amazing <laughs> to see just all, there was, you know, disabled um, dis- disability. There was, you know, Indigenous. It was just everyone, everyone. And it was just so incredible to see. And I literally gave me tears. So when I was walking off the runway, like I had tears in my eyes. It was so amazing because this is what I've dreamed of. I've dreamed of a world where, you know, my children get to see their their, their body type represented and we all have such mm. different body types and I think you know striving for one body type which you know the European uh, catwalks and the you know basically says what's acceptable is really hard and like the high fashion industry says it's acceptable is really hard because we all know to get to that body type you actually do have to do extreme measures and you know, the things that I've seen even in my career, it's like it's full on, you know, <laughs> and yeah. it's, not, it's not at all realistic. Yeah, no, I'm glad you brought this up because it's not completely unrelated to, I guess, our concept of balance. So similar to the idea of striving for that one body or the one way we're represented in the media is no different to the way we strive for like a single formula for balance. And, and my whole premise mm-hmm. is balance is such a personalised, individualised thing that, varies on your values and your priorities and not only varies between people but varies for you at different times in your life at different moments in the day so it really just comes back to honoring you know who you are what your body is what what your essence your truth is and and respecting that so it's great to see industries like fashion which are so impressionable especially on young young people and young women really embracing that diversity and I was speaking to another guest recently it was more in the media space Um, But it was this idea that, especially in Australia, we have such a diverse range of people and cultures and just, you know, all sorts of real people. So everything that we view or engage with or that's put out there by businesses and brands should be reflective of that society, should be reflective of the people it's serving. So it's really nice to hear that there is that shift happening in society and I think it um, is going to go a long way in balancing out the reality that a lot of us, I think, get caught up in chasing that's that's not actually real. Um, so that's that's all music to my ears and, and really awesome, I suppose, that you get to be a part of such a shift in culture and, of course, I'm sure for your kids to be able to grow up in a world that is a little bit more realistic, to, to put it plainly, because I think with the rise of social media as well, uh, that has become a little bit more out of reach, which actually I'm curious. So obviously as a social media influencer, how do you manage the – I think it's a bit of a balancing act, right? Of Because social media is a tool where you do want to just showcase all the great moments of your life. It's such a nice way to present, I suppose, moments in your life, photos when you're going on holidays. Like no one takes a photo when they're having a mental breakdown, crying their eyes out. It's just not something natural we do, right? We take photos when we're having a really good time and that's what we share. But a byproduct of that is people then think, oh, that person's life is just like that. So how do you sort of balance with this sort of, approach you have towards diversity and and the the reality check I suppose of 
the way people are and the way their lives are with how you show up on social media? Is that something you're quite conscious about or, you know, I'm just kind of curious as to, because I, I find it quite hard as well to be, not to be real, but to uh, balance all the yeah, highs, I suppose, because that's all you're really naturally going to show, if that makes sense. Yeah, it's been a really tricky one for me. So when I realised that, you know, I, I stepped into social media influencing through, you know, being a signed model, um, it's been a really big journey for me on the balancing act exactly and, you know, what brands and clients expect of you, what you want to actually speak to your audience about, what your audience actually finds interesting and and being authentic as well. And I think that I've actually struggled with it a lot and especially when I went through a really tough period of my life where I realised I was in a, a toxic, abusive, narcissistic relationship and I also had uh, a small baby and then I was pregnant again and, and I had, you know, this opportunity where I, you know, was getting work as a social media influencer but I just had no desire to actually even or even confidence to speak to anyone or actually I just felt like, my confidence was on the floor and I felt like no one really wants to hear me, and, but they do. So I think the, the the I've been on a really big journey with the, the whole balancing thing and I really feel like I've come into a place now where I, I do have it under control and I've found the balance. And I feel that when you stop caring what other people think and you just be authentic with um, who you are and what you want to talk about, you know, people will find that engaging. And I think when you when you are who you are and no one else and you are just your authentic self, that's when that shines through. And I think also in terms of balance, having set times where you do your content um, mm. with two kids, it's been really, really hard juggle for me because I've literally like, you know, found all these ways to, to create content, but with them at my ankles, basically, like half of my photos, <laughs> people don't realize my kids are in the background. <laughs> and the ones taking them. Out <laughs> no, actually, my daughter did take one, one of me and she did a video. Train them young. <laughs> really... <laughs> yeah. So, you know, we do what we can, but I think that at the end of the day, when you're authentic and you don't put this huge amount of pressure on yourself, then I think that that's when you find the balance. But I do see a lot of people get burnout and they have all of these brand expecta expectations from brands, expectations from their manager, expectations from, you know, their audience. And a really great friend who's, a you know, a big influencer here in Byron Bay said to me, you know, like, don't care what people think. Like when you stop caring what people think and you just post it or do it or talk about it, that's engaging. Mm. Yeah, I think that's a really nice reminder because I think especially for people listening who maybe have a personal brand or a business, I think a big part and one thing we can't ignore about the world we live in is showing up on social media, but that can be so daunting for a lot of people. And they find I think it's daunting because you feel like it's inauthentic to who you are. But I think if you just reframe and think, well, this is actually a platform where I can just connect with other people and express my truth my beliefs, whatever it is that you want to vocalize, I suppose, then it does take the pressure off and you're not second guessing everything you post. Like I, I remember a time where I'd post something, but before I did, I would check in with all my friends to make sure like, was it the right photo to post yeah. and was the edit good? And, you know, those things that you're doing it for other people. But I think when you flip the switch and you're like, I'm actually posting this stuff for myself. And if I can connect with other people through it, then that's a bonus. Um, I think it's a, Social Absolutely. media can be used in such a 
positive way. But I'm always curious because I find it's um, it's hard to balance, I suppose, showing up with the best parts of your life with being real as well because you – or maybe it's more of – actually, now that I'm saying it out loud, I think it's more of the user needs to just be mindful that, you know, people are showing their highlights real. And so if it's important more for that comparison point, right, like when you're – scrolling through the gram and you you get off and you feel like a bit crappy after it it's just that reminder that what you're seeing is not the totality of somebody's life um and people are just you know showing you what they want to show you ultimately um but I think from a user user point of view like as a as a content creator I think if something feels wrong or off or feels uncomfortable like if if dancing in TikToks is not for you because it's not for me I'm so uncoordinated (laughs) I've tried to do the dances and I just cringe (laughs) at myself like you will never see me doing a TikTok dance so just don't do what's not authentic for you I suppose Absolutely, exactly. And I feel that, you know, when you exactly stay authentic with yourself and you remember that, and it's actually harder for the, you know, the everyday viewer to understand that there are business pages. And even though you feel like you've tuned into some, you've followed someone for five years and you've tuned into their life, but you actually need to realize that's a business page. And what they're showing you is actually the lifestyle that you want so you're drawn into it but it's a business page and it's not real life like you know I remind people like that for me all the time like one person here in Byron Bay said to me you know how do you keep such a perfect lifestyle up and I was like whoa if you actually knew me my lifestyle like my life is far from perfect I've been through so much and I'm at that stage was going through so much and I said to them it's a business page and I have to keep you know, content going. And um, at the moment, I don't think people really want to know about the legal stuff I'm going through and, you know, it's not appropriate. But um, so I'm protecting myself by, you know, sharing content that I I need to, you know, get more jobs or, um, yeah, what brands want want from you at the Mm. end of the day. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And I, I definitely can appreciate that juncture between you know what the reality of your life might be one day and what you have scheduled to post it's it's not always a a match for match it's just not I think it's just so important to be constantly reminded like even if I sound like a broken record I've said it so many times on this podcast but like when you're looking at people's social media it's not real life it's just you know what they're posting that day but I think very closely linked to this conversation is the idea of self-care and I always love speaking to driven working women who are also mums and I have so much respect for the duality of those roles Um, I'm not a mum yet and I really hope I'm blessed enough to be one day but I'm always so in awe of mums who work even those who don't work being mum is incredible in and of itself and I just wanted to know how do you prioritize your own self-care in light of those other two massive priorities in your life as well? And what does it mean to you as well? Yeah, that's been a really, really hard one for me um, because I found myself basically a single mom, not by choice. Um, I, you know, when I was pregnant with my first daughter, Tiger Lily, I realized I was in an abusive relationship and a very toxic dynamic and I didn't know how to get out of it. And so what, when I, basically how I learned to um, self-care is through great pain. And when I, 
gave birth to Tiger Lily. I had a home birth um, with, with you know, no noise. It was just completely in meditation. And that whole wow. process really helped me to come, learn how to come into my centre. And I feel like this is something I like to talk to people about coming into your centre because some people say to me, oh, how do you remain so calm and, in, you know, all of this stress you've been through? And it's really coming into your centre and, you know, connecting with your higher self. And once you do that, that's when you're able to, you know, make the time for yourself with self-care and that's when you're able to, you know, really hold yourself and go move through whatever you're going through and let it just, you know, you move through it. And so... Yeah, it's been a really big balancing act for me because, uh, you know, I have found myself with, you know, not a lot of support. My family aren't here. Um, you know, I basically am raising my children by myself. Um, and, you know, I have had to really make time for self-care. So now once a week I make sure that I go and have a sauna, an infrared sauna. I go and do ice baths. I think cold therapy, when you learn a lot about hot and cold therapy, what that does is that actually helps to rewire the brain. So it sends endorphins to your brain. It changes your energetic field and you're actually able to, you know, move through what you're going through and, you know, attract um, greater situations. So that's a really big non-negotiable for me. Um, I also have spiritual healing, which has really helped me to evolve as a person and and move through a lot of hardship. Yeah, I think self-care is so important to me. Um, If you aren't looked after, then, you know, nothing else will kind of, you know, evolve for you. So, you know, especially with like having children as a mom, if you don't look after yourself first, you actually can't look after your children. And, you, you know, people say, oh, I feel selfish doing this. And it's like, no, no, you, when you look after yourself, your children actually thrive. Mm. So now I feel like being a mom, you always have this mum guilt and it's something that plagues a lot of mums. And I, I feel like when you just let that go and realise your children thrive when you are full, and when it's when we're not full and we're, um, you know, we are lacking nurturing ourselves, that's when, you know, we find being a mum hard or we find doing everyday tasks really hard. Mm. Yeah, no, I'm glad you brought up the mum guilt because it's something that's been spoken about a lot on the podcast and something I think, of course, is um, closely linked to being a mother with her kids. But I think a lot of us feel in general just with our relationships and that's just simply you feel guilty for putting yourself first. But I think when you really sink into this idea and, and um, it's quite amazing that you've you know embraced it so openly because I think some people, especially mums, find it really, really hard to do. It's that idea that if you don't fill your own cup up, you're actually giving from a level where you're 50% operational, you know? So the question is, do you want your kids? Do you want your partner? Do you want your job to be getting 50% version of you or a hundred percent version of you? And I'm sure everybody listening wants to show up as their full authentic selves. And the way we do that is by investing in ourselves first. So, you know, even if that's just one hour a week, or it could even just be five minutes a day, just something that you give back to yourself, I think is so important. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. 
United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. If you've been thinking of starting a podcast or already have one, then this quick message is for you. I know how scary and lost it can feel navigating the podcast space, which is why She Podcast Live is the place to be and something I wish I had known about earlier in my journey. This event is the world's largest gathering of female podcasters where you can expect to learn from editors, social media marketers, authors, podcast hosts, and more during a four-day event from October 11 to 14 in Washington, D.C., Among all of the goodness, a personal standout for me is that they will have an entire track dedicated to self-care. Hit the link in the show notes if you're ready to take your podcasting game to the next level and you can use the code TBT for $50 off your ticket. If you're interested but not local to DC, you can stay tuned for virtual tickets by subscribing on the website. Now let's get back to the episode. I want to go back to what you said about um, you know, connecting with your center and your higher self. I I want to unpack that a little bit because from a more spiritual point of view, I know not everybody has experienced something that's that's made them extremely spiritual. And so when you say connecting with your center, for me, that looks like when I meditate, I connect with my center. I feel very, very grounded. Similar sort of thing to you as well. Hot and cold immersion takes you out of your mind into your body. And those sorts of activities for me is what connecting with your center is all about. Can you talk to me a little bit about, now I know you've had some experience doing frequency work and I know you were just talking about like energy healing. And it's something spiritually I've been a lot more open to this year, you know, the power of our energy, um, how we can divert it and and just to be very, very conscious and aware of it. But I guess I just want to know your thoughts on the power of our energy and just your experience in frequency work in general. Yeah. um, So my journey with um, basically spiritual healing and, you know, basically the work in something that's really um we can't see it but we can feel it that came to me 11 years ago so I've been doing this work for 11 years now and I was introduced to um a shaman and spiritual healer and she basically mentored me um and helped me to basically become the person I am now um and she taught me a lot about, you know, we are all energy. So, you know, physics and science have proved that we are energy. Everything is energy. It all has a vibration and a frequency. Um, there's low vibration, there's high vibration, and everything is a frequency. And so if we're energy, then we can basically attract what we want to attract just through our vibration. And, you know, without going too deep, I feel that what the tools that I've learned to master is that we, yeah, we, we, we all have a, a, you know, a center, like our authentic self. And that's not like what's here. It's what's in here. And when we really connect to that, close our eyes and really connect to that, it's actually a really peaceful place. And, you know, I like to call it like our home. It's our home. And, um, you know, when I'm going through a stressful situation, it's like, okay, close my eyes, come into my center and, what is it like in my home? Okay, my home, there's couches, the fire's on, you know, and you kind of talk to yourself like that. I think that talking to yourself is really important and um, it also helps to develop your intuition. Yeah, so 
I'll give you just like my entry into spiritual healing. Um, when I was in my early 20s, um, I'd gone to the doctor and I'd basically said I was feeling, you know, I was feeling depressed, but it was, I just ended a relationship. So it was, you know, a really emotional time. And this is when doctors like love to hand out you know, prescription medication. And he basically said, oh, here's some, um, some Xanax and some Valiums. You'll have so much fun with that. Have a glass of wine. Sit on the couch. You'll feel amazing. You know, here's some Zoloft antidepressants. And, and being young and naive, you know, I was like, okay. And I took all of these things and realized that actually it was really not good for me and I didn't need it. And so when I first saw um, this spiritual healer called Josephine, she you know, basically she scanned my body and, you know, these, these are gifts that we all have, but we don't have an awakened to them yet, but some people have awakened to them. She scanned my body and she's basically told me why I was feeling depressed. Um, you know, there was a part of my soul, you know, that was missing and things like that from trauma as a child. And, and that's when I really kind of looked to understand, uh, you know, and take a big look at myself and where, I think when everyone looks at their life and what they've been through and, you know, what kind of recurring patterns are happening, that's when, you know, you're able to, yeah, make a big change. So I'm like lost again on my tangent. That's okay. It sounds like as well, like this, this relates with um, like your energy being blocked, which is something I felt last year. I couldn't describe it. I, I didn't have any support networks like an energy heal or energy work or anything like that. But that is honestly how I felt, like my energy was blocked. And I love this idea that we're all energy. And whether, you know, anybody listening is, is, is a bit more religious and spiritual, whether that means for you your soul or your personhood or whatever the sub-in word is for you, at the end of the day we're talking about our spirit, our, you know, our energy. Mm, um, our energy. I just loved, I love having a conversation about it because, it's this idea that you can notice, become aware of it. And and the biggest thing for me, I don't know if you've had any huge realizations kind of doing this work. One of the biggest things for me was an awareness of how external things impact my energy. So whether it be people or situations or even something as simple as scrolling on Instagram, how that impacts my energy and in turn then impacts my balance. Because when we talk about your balance is a sense for me anyway it's a sense of groundedness it means something different for everybody else it's a sense where I feel you know at home and and in my center essentially with with what you've been saying and so when I am very aware of my energy or number one the fact that you are energy and number two the fact that your energy can be influenced that was the biggest realization for me and it made me super aware kind of like turned up the dial of me noticing the things I was doing and that was a knock-on effect to me then really being selective with who I was spending time with, what I was doing with my time, etc. Um, and kind of if we talk about balance, and I don't know if you've had a similar experience, but it makes you like very picky with how you spend your spare time. Mm. And I think for a lot of people, because they have to work a nine to five, what they do in those external hours are really formative of how they feel on a whole. And so are you kind of really protective in terms of like boundaries with, I mean, I know you've, you've just, you've recently moved to Byron and so maybe you're still kind of working all these things out and meeting new people, but with people and maybe things that are more of a trigger for you or environments that you know you don't feel good in, do you have like really strong boundaries to protect your energy? Is it something you're quite proactive with? 
Yeah. So realizing that we all are energy and that we can attract, you know, situations um, just through our vibration and the frequency that we're sitting at. I, through this journey that I've been on, have learned that, yeah, when I was carrying the frequency of, you know, someone who's been in a relationship with a toxic individual, um, you know, a narcissistic character, that that frequency stayed with me. So I would attract the same types of, you know, I haven't dated in two years and I've purposely not done that because I don't want to attract the same kind of relationship. I've really made sure that I work on myself and realize what exactly was it that attracted these types of people to me and how I can change that. And so Mm -hmm. I can safely say I've ended that frequency now. And so before I did though, when I just, you know, I'd left my relationship, I'd taken my children and, and we'd gone to Byron Bay. I had attracted the same types of people, but in different shells because I was still carrying that frequency and that wounding. And so it was very quick though, because I realized that each time I was, you know, very quick to kind of say no, you know, no. And so one big boundary for me was yes, not going on dates. So I haven't been on a date in two years. And until I know that that frequency is left and that I'm not going to be attracting these same types of people. And I think that when you really heal that trauma and that wound within you that attracted that type of person to me. So for me, it was no self-love, no self-worth. That will attract every time to you an individual who reflect that back to you um, in treating you badly or treating you with no love and, you know, no respect. So I feel that to protect my energy, I have said no to a lot of things. And that's something that was really foreign to me. I would say yes to everything. Yes, I can do that. Yes, yes, yes. Until you bleed yourself out and you've got nothing left for you. I think having children has really helped me because I physically can't do a lot of things. (laughs) And, you know, I can't do things for everyone and then for them too. So I learned to say no. And I think that when you say no, that is the most powerful thing you can do for you. It basically says, I love you, I respect you, I honour you, to you. And Mm. saying no is one of the most powerful things you can do for yourself. And when you start doing that, um, and if it doesn't feel right, so always follow your intuition. I, uh, My healer likes to say to people, if you can follow your intuition for a week, and that's that little voice inside your head that says something, and you don't think about it like the, the second brain um, voice gut doesn't feeling. come in and yeah the gut feeling so if you can follow that for a week you'll start to really become in tune with yourself and so for me I learned to say no I also listened to my gut feeling my intuition when I was around certain people and if it was saying no or it didn't make me feel good or that person made me feel scared or afraid or intimidated then that there's something not quite right with that connection And, you know, I've been through this really recently with a lot of people, like a lot of friends in my life and a lot of people who are around me. And I realized that, you know, they didn't make me feel good. And so I, you know, I don't feel bad about saying no. And I don't feel bad about, you know, saying no, because when you honor yourself, you know, you're basically allowing other opportunities to come in that honor you. Yeah. And this is really, really powerful, everything you're saying. And and I, once spoke about on a podcast how saying yes to other people or things that you don't want to be saying yes to is saying no to yourself so you have a choice like if you find saying no really really hard it's that 
instant reminder and reality check that well, if I don't say no to them, I'm saying no to me. And that should be an easy decision for you if you're coming from a place of self-love. And I love that you've brought up and, and a lot of respect to you, by the way, for being very aware that you were carrying a frequency and so made a decision not to date. Because I think a lot of people get stuck in this loop, but they're like, I'm just, I always date douchebags or I always date the same kind of people over and over, but never do they stop to reflect and go, well, that's because that's the energy I'm carrying. And another way to look at it is, well, I just have a subconscious belief or I have a limiting belief that that's what I deserve, that that's what I'm always going to get. And that, you know, infiltrates and impacts the energy that you put out there. And so I think it's always really interesting if you've just come out of like, and I've actually just recorded an episode on this and not necessarily limited to romantic relationships but even friendships because that's something I can personally connect with a lot Mm. I can see in my life I've had a string of maybe three or four key people from when I was in high school to maybe the last couple of years who have the same personality type they have the same impact on my energy where I feel like my voice needs to be smaller like I need to walk on eggshells and, and like my, I, I consider myself to be quite a down-to-earth, confident person and that side of me is just not brought out. And now that doesn't mean that those types of people are bad people. It just means as a match for my energy, it doesn't bring out the best in me. And so when you start to realize, well, what you're attracting is a byproduct of what you actually believe about yourself, that's when you can start to backtrack and go, well, what do I actually believe about myself? And that's where you can start to really tap into your true energy. So I love that you've brought this up because it's really only something I've also realized and and started doing a little bit of um well I started to do some episodes on it because I think it's just such a powerful thing to do and then to actually rather than go well I'm just going to keep trying to date to fix the problem you go well I'm actually just going to take a step back and work on myself because that's the I suppose root cause and it's so easy to to sit there and go well it's an everybody else external problem because it's so much harder to do that inner work but from everything you've expressed today I'm really hearing getting the sense of self-love for you is really just doing the inner work and being connected with yourself, which I think is so, so powerful. And it's something that doesn't need to take up hours of your time. It can be in a fleeting moment, you check in with yourself or when your intuition kicks in, you say yes to it. Or if something feels wrong to you, say no. It's just those fleeting moments that make you really in touch with yourself. And I think all the work you've done has obviously really bolstered your ability to stay connected to that today. But for everybody listening, I think a big, big takeaway is noticing how things are making you feel and then really just taking the time to do a deep dive into how you can take control or take charge or honor your energy and where you're coming from. Because at the end of the day, the longer you sit there and think, well, it's a them problem you know, they're the ones that are creating this issue for me, or it's an external thing from who I am. I think if you live in that victim loop of you're helpless in a situation, it's just going to be a vicious cycle. And it manifests, like you said, in different ways. It doesn't have to always be in the same kind of relationship. It has different shells. And and I feel like we're kind of going to keep going until we learn the lesson. That's how I feel these things happen. Absolutely. I feel like everyone in your life is a teacher. So if you can look at everyone in your life and if there's things you don't like, actually look at, okay, what is it within me that has, you know, attracted them and what do I need to resolve to remove those kinds of people? And, you know, yeah, if we, the the number one thing that is the hardest thing to do is being self-aware. And I feel like when you are self-aware and you take responsibility for everything in your life, then it's actually really powerful. Like you just step up your power so much more 
it's, you know, a lot of people find it hard because they don't like to, you know, they'll criticize as children and they don't like to be blamed and they don't like to feel like a victim and, you know, and actually taking responsibility puts you back into your power. So if you can Mm. take responsibility for everything in your life and go, actually, okay, so why has this happened to me? Well, it's happening for me. It's not happening to me. You know, everything's a lesson and everything, everyone's a teacher. Yeah, that's really beautiful. And it's a great reframe to, I guess, feeling like the world is against you. Um, I think that is the antithesis to self-awareness. And I couldn't agree more that that the journey of self-awareness, I think, is a lifelong one. I think it's something that we can never have enough of and we're always learning from it and I think it's a really beautiful process to go through to not only have empathy for yourself because we are so critical of ourselves um, but also for for other people around us Um, before I do let you go though there is one thing I wanted to ask you and um, obviously being someone who's hyper aware of the energy I'm getting you have great self-awareness and you're in touch with your self-love I do want to know on those days and moments where maybe you notice I don't know if you have this experience, but sometimes I actually can see my ego trying to take the wheel and take over. I'm very aware of it, but I see it just kick in. It's almost just like a reaction sometimes or your emotions kick in or you're just having a bad day. How do you go about rebalancing yourself if it's not something you've already shared? Like do you have any specific habits or or practices that that really help ground you? Yeah, it's funny you mentioned ego because, you know, the one thing that's that ego is really important because if we didn't have an ego, then we wouldn't actually be alive. So it's really interesting. Um, The ego balancing act is a balancing act. And I think that for me, um, it's, it's all about really coming back into my center. So coming back into my center and going with grace. So what that means for me is a, a a really beautiful person once said to me, you know, be love, think love, in everything you do and that to me like that's a huge topic in itself but if you really think like that okay what does that mean it's actually a really great thing to live by so for me what I do is taking moments just for me um, making sure that my self-care is you know a priority every week it's non-negotiable I have um, you know, a babysitter that helps me so that I can go to the sauna and I can go and do a nice bath. Um, yoga is a really big one, yoga and meditation. Um, regular frequency work and spiritual healing. But also, what else? Um, being in nature, I think, um, being in nature, like the simple things, so taking deep breaths, and that's just, you know, really sitting with yourself and breathing deeply for 10 seconds. It like 10 deep breaths just really does change your mindset. Um, for, gets you, you know, back last into the week, body. It does. So, yeah, anything that gets you back into your body and out of your mind. You know, last week I had a really rough week. I was really in, you know, deep emotion and, you know, um, I was really down on myself. And so what helps me to take my power back is actually doing a cleanse so you know juice cleansing and that really helps me to come back into my heart and come back into love beautiful two things I want to call out you've just said there before I wrap up our chat today is thank you for reminding me um I I often forget that the ego has a fundamental role to play in our survival um and it is a necessary 
thing in our lives. Um, I suppose when I was, when I think about ego, it's it's very easy to jump on the negative side of, of what it means um, because I feel like sometimes it, it does have that overdrive and take over kind of nature about it, which of course sometimes is a, a necessary thing in life. So thank you for reminding me of that. But number two is this concept of coming from a place of love. And so even if you're having you know, the worst day. I feel like we always have a choice to come from a place of love or fear. And that's something I've kind of boiled down my decision-making to this year. Am I going to make, when I make decisions, I ask myself, is this from a place of love or is it from a place of fear? Because I know well and truly how it ends up for me if I am acting out of fear and the difference and the power it gives me when I'm acting out of love. And that can come down to I think it makes it easier as well when you're needing to prioritize those self-care things. You know, is this coming from a place of love for myself, for my kids, whatever it is, asking that question and making that like kind of the governing rule or um, framework for the things you do, I think is is a really beautiful thing to even remind ourselves on the days that are not, that are not the best. And sometimes on those days, you actually just need to give yourself a bit of love in whatever shape or form that looks like for you. So I've really, really connected with a lot of the things that you've spoken about today. And I want to thank you for being so honest and raw and vulnerable with me on the show today and just sharing your thoughts on energy and love and self-care. And I really, really appreciate your time and your energy as well. And for people wanting to connect with you a little bit further, where is the easiest place they can do so? And I'll pop some links in the show notes. Yeah, my Instagram is pala.pala.pala and you can find (laughs) me there. Beautiful. I'll pop links to that, but thank you again so much. And um, I'm looking forward to maybe catching you for a coffee when I'm in Byron. Yeah. Thank you, Erica. I'd love that. I would also love that. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.